live from the Plaza Pool in downtown Las Vegas, it's Steve Sears Bikini Tug of War. All right, here we go. Awesome day, beginning of fall, Plaza Pool, downtown, no better place to be on a Wednesday afternoon. John Von Tolbo's here. There is a, a cavalcade of stars, including Steve Sear, who set this up with the folks at the Plaza. We'll tell you more about the Plaza as the show moves along, and we're getting ready to do a little bikini tug of war. John and I are not in it. Jed, who's running the controls here, also not in it. The uh, lady's getting ready for the tug in just a little bit. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studio, so fired up. This is another one of those cool shows that we've got a chance to do. We've done shows all over town at pools, and obviously gentlemen's clubs probably have the world record. We should look that up, actually. I wonder if Guinness would consider a... I don't even know how it would count, but... I've always have I've, documentation. I've, I've kind of estimated it over the years at, like, maybe 400-plus, and I think I might be short on that one. But uh, lots of pool shows, so another opportunity to be out and about. We love downtown, love the plaza. Cool stuff on the way today on a Wednesday. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Cool stuff going on around Las Vegas. Yesterday was a really neat day with the Aces celebrating their WNBA championship. I will say social media is a little bit weird on this one. We'll get into that a little later on. In terms of so many angry bots and I guess dudes who won't Greg put their bunch of numbers right who yeah. won't put their names up, but we'll get to that whole angle because I think it plays into a a bigger discussion today about what happens with the WNBA if this is any bit significant. It's significant for Vegas, but is it significant for the league? And it's funny, Johnson over a note and he goes, "Take that, Steve." Aces fans were out in force yesterday. Did I say they weren't going to show up? No, don't do that. When we mentioned the parade, right? And you what made did I a say? Face, you're like, should they throw a parade? You no, asked the no, question. What, what I said was they need to do a parade in a confined area. They don't want to do what the Chicago Sky did a year ago where they they made multi-block, uh, they made a multi-block route mm. in Chicago, and it just looked really bad on TV. And I pointed out a couple days ago what the Aces had planned, basically a short route from Caesars to Bellagio with a stage was a good idea. You don't want to overdo expectations. And then I think they exceeded those expectations because a lot of people showed up. That was a raucous crowd. And maybe more important than that was the crowd that showed up. Well, let me restate that. The way the Aces and whoever else organized the party, that was a great setup. And the way the Aces behaved, and I mean this in a good way, they wanted a party. Like they were freaking lunatics, which then, you know, kind of – then gets projected onto the crowd, and then the crowd's going crazy because from the coach on down, everyone was having a great time and maybe a couple of nips here and there of the good stuff. That was fun. I thought it was great. Like I, I like well, and at some point, this is going to sound cheesy. Just unbridled joy is kind of fun and cool, and like that's exactly what they had going on. And whether it was you know little swigs here and there stuff or uh, other things that were adding to it, it was pretty neat. And it was neat too because there were expectations with this team. There were expectations that this was supposed to be the best team in the WNBA. It was a preseason favorite to win a title. And so it's not only just joy at winning a championship, it's meeting expectations, right, and that everybody had for this team 
when it started to come together and when the season began. So I thought it was really neat. I thought a lot of these characters on this team, too, are really likable. Did uh, you know about a lot of the players before this? Not a lot. Not the main pieces. Okay. Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, uh, but, like, not a lot. Not about the rest of the team. Becky Hammond, but not about the rest of the team and learning about them, like, from a personality standpoint. Just snippets that you see on social media, you know, on, like, Instagram stories, things like that. Uh, but not as much as I learned from yesterday. Kelsey Plum's pretty crazy. She is. She I was is. wondering what – you saw Darren Waller there, right, the Raiders tight end? Oh, no, I did. I oh, yeah, that. he was yeah. standing in the back the whole time, and you wonder that's – that's a weird position for him because you don't want to take any of the attention away from your lady friend. I don't know if they're official or not, but it appears they are. You don't want to take any attention away from her because you're also a big-time athlete and you're this, like, towering figure bigger than everyone on the stage. On the flip side of that, you know, you and I have both both kind of – I'm not the word dealt is not the right word, but we've got uh, – I'll call them lady friends again. You're married. I'm not, but I have a long-time girlfriend who know how to have a good time. Yes. Yes. And, and sometimes in a couple, someone has to be the have-a-good-time person and the other person has to be the voice of reason. Um, I know you and I both fall into – voice of reason uh, well oftentimes then we're both the nut jobs in a couple yeah so i don't know i don't know what well well we do actually you know i'm setting up a terrible scenario that's the other thing here darren waller can't be a crazy guy yeah. because he's had addiction issues in the past yeah so but we got a lot of relationship stuff to get into we got more brady later on <laughs> we're gonna break down your marriage no i'm kidding um yeah, that's interesting. Waller up there, and then, and, uh, you know, that, she's, that dynamic, she's yeah. shacked in a fool. But she was having a good time, and I'm glad they did it. I thought it was awesome. Um, you know, to all those people who weren't on the ground yesterday, we weren't, but we got to see a lot of the images. Saw Q out there. Uh, Q did a great job. So many pictures. Oh, boy, we're watching the uh, tug-of-war warm-up. We'll send out some pictures here. Well, I mean, there's a guy. There's two guys on one side. I mean, they just, they just annihilated these three ladies, but uh, – I would assume tug of war in the pool has to be hard because you get no traction. Do you get like traction on your feet? Um, they're actually on tile, so I don't know they're going to get a ton of traction. So this could move pretty quickly, and there could be a lot of heats. I was actually, you know, we did a site check yesterday, and uh, we were joking with Adam Hill because we were putting together the rules yesterday. Really, Steve's here is, and he was like, "What? You're putting the rules together yesterday?" I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> Calm down. I was actually thinking because they're in about they're on a wet deck. They're getting some good grip here. Wow, there's some power here. This one guy just took over. We're doing play by. We're doing pictures for yeah, radio, right. uh, photos for. I'll, I'll send out some pictures, but um, they're on a wet deck, so yeah, it's gonna be a little bit slippery. So there's a little bit of strategy on this one. But yeah, the the other thing yesterday is there's, you know, the WNBA. I think more so than any other league. Has to sort of fight, the, the group of guys. Who are sports fans? Who always want to crap on the league? Probably more than women's tennis. Probably more than like women's golf. Oh yeah. More than the U.S. World Cup team because I think people are afraid to do that uh, because you know there's a patriotic angle to it. I think the WNBA women of all female athletes get it the worst because there really is a belief that, ma'am, you need to pull that bikini top up a little higher. Um, there is a belief. I've done a lot of these, so you're going to hear that every once in a while. Um, there is a belief that, like, you and I, the average dorks, right, right, like, we believe we can take down oh, well, you know, Asia know. Wilson or Kelsey Plum. I'm saying there yeah. are guys like us. And then there's this – it really it, – it does really show the misogyny. 
with guys in our country? Because I think a lot of countries around the world are actually much more open to female sports, and that's why females can go and make a lot more money, draw bigger crowds. But it's a battle that the WNBA has fought. And, like, I, I saw Bleacher Report, you know, pretty good uh, Twitter handle, and, you know, they've got a good audience, and it was just like the – rain of negative messages like no one there like guys you're you're looking at the video or bots you're looking at the video there's people there there's thousands and thousands of people there and no on a tuesday there's not thousands and because this is the other one i heard oh i'm sure those were just people who are walking up and down the strip who just happened to see this parade there's no one on the strip there's dozens walking by that area every like 15 minutes it ain't thousands in front of the Bellagio stop right they were getting support too like that's the other thing they were selling out those last few playoff games they look there was a lot there was a very good crowd at aces home games uh and you're right I think and the weird thing about it and like not to say that there isn't former tennis players or things like that but there are so many former basketball players who played in junior high who like I actually legitimately saw in one WNBA comment section one guy go well yeah you know in sixth grade, our team used to play the girls' basketball team, and we you know, we would kill them. Like, you're talking about your sixth-grade basketball journey as, like, this glorious moment for you as an athlete. It's just a bunch of guys who are former athletes who wish they had gotten to that level, and now they feel like in some way or form they could build themselves up by taking others down, and that's part of it. It's a really big part of it. We'll continue on the aces, but I'm going to throw you a question. I think this is going to be interesting to see your response because you're in your early 30s. I sense that you like baseball from a gambling standpoint. You like the Angels. I am fascinated with what my age group and older used to be stuck on, baseball numbers and records, and I wonder if you care at all and what Aaron Judge meant yesterday. Fire this here as Judge bangs out his 60th home run of the season. Drill peep to left field. There it goes. Number 60. Slide over, babe. You've got some company. Aaron James Judge has tied George Herman Babe Ruth with 60 home runs. Michael K on the call. And Michael K is a good play-by-play guy. He's a good radio guy in New York. A couple of things. This is a big New York story. I'm not saying it's a big national. It's not a big national story. But I wonder by age group what the story means to people 35 and under. And the other thing is... This isn't Maris passing Babe Ruth after, what was it, 34 years. This doesn't have any of, at times, the gravity of you know Hank Aaron passing Babe Ruth in career home runs. I don't feel like this had any of the drama of the chase with McGuire and Sosa and then eventually Bonds. So it's weird. Like, for me, it's a weird feeling. So for you, I'll, I started asking you a question five minutes ago, but for you, do you care as a guy under 35? It meant nothing to me. Oh, uh, nothing. no. Like, it I, meant nothing. I obviously knew it was happening. Obviously, you know, figured it would happen maybe against uh, the Pirates yesterday, but I was not rushing to, like, watch. I was like, it'll pop up on Twitter if it happens. And, and But I think you brought up an interesting thing. So can I tell you that one of my first, like, vivid memories, because what year was the chase to McGuire and Sosa? 99? Yeah, like, so 99, 98, something like that? 98, like, whatever. Whatever it was. No, but, like, I remember as a kid, you want to know how I remember that? My mom was interested in that. Yeah. My mom. Like, my mom has no, If I asked my mom something about baseball now, she'd have nothing for you. But she showed an interest in that. I remember her, like, turning on the TV to see if those guys were playing or not. Yeah, 98. So I was, like, seven. I was seven. Right. And 
Like this year, there's no shot, no shot. My I mean, know what Aaron Judge is. Ma- Michael K is like the the, the babe. Yeah. You're like, I what? Yeah, I, a mythical figure, I guess. And, and I mean, and then since obviously since those guys, you know, Bonds crashed through seventy, and then now they're all connected to the Royd era. So, you know, we joked about it last week because we saw Kornheiser and Wilbon. You play to your audience. I think they have an older oh, audience, yeah. and they're like, you know, does, who, who has the real home run record? And I thought about it for like a split second, and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't like care. Well, my, my answer, you know, I'm going to give you my answer on the ba- on the way back, and I want to get your reaction on this too. Plaza Pool, Plaza Hotel and Casino, Bikini Tug of War. Steve Sears out here. He's got his referee hat on. The women are filing in. This is going to be a good competition. We're here for uh, almost three hours on a Wednesday, another special edition of Cofield and Company. We have a rough life. Poolside. Cofield and Company at the Bikini Tug of War is brought to you by the Plaza Hotel and Casino and AngleRepair.com. An innovative machine that gives every athlete the advantage to perform with confidence. It's AngleRepair.com. I don't read too much into feelings and, and those kind of things. We should all be desperate to win each week, you know, in, in my opinion. And I think that's the way our team should think. And hopefully that's the way they do think. We don't ever take the field to do anything other than win. So, you know, we have the same urgency this week as we have. Back to Cofield and Company at the Plaza Hotel and Casino Pool. It's Steve Sears Bikini Tug of War. Yeah, weigh-ins going down, some tugging practice. Looks like good competition out there. We're grabbing a bunch of pictures for you guys. It's JVT, Cofield, Plaza Pool on a Wednesday. You know, there's no not really a reason to go in on Josh McDaniels right now. Um, I do want to hit later. The overreaction, and I understand it. this is what the NFL is. The overreaction on so many situations two weeks into the season is friggin' awesome. But if you really think about what's going on in a bunch of those situations, you'd probably pump the brakes. So we'll get to that, right? I will say with McDaniels, he did go through a learning experience, admitted that he didn't handle things right with the Broncos when he was just 32 years old. They start out 0-3. The sky's going to be falling. That's just the way it is with Raider Nation. And he, that maturity will be put to the test. Yeah. And in any way, sounding annoyed at questions is not going to come off well or going kind of Belichickian ain't the way to go. Right. Because I, I think if I remember correctly, and I wasn't in the media at the time of his first foray, uh, or I was barely trying to get in, you know, remembering what went wrong with his first tenure in, the, in Denver it seemed more ego driven, right? Trying to go after Tim Tebow and trying to make that into something. He just he didn't he didn't know he was put in control of way everything. too much. Yep. You know, when they when he came in, they were like, "Oh, Mike Shanahan did everything, so we'll let Josh do everything." Right. Yeah, Mike Shanahan had been around the NFL for thirty years. He's a fifty something. You're letting a thirty two year old who is coming in just coach. That part is hard enough. Just coach. And by the way, Broncos hot topic right now with Nate Hackett. So let's continue on. Yeah, it's not the good. home run <laughs> 60 mark yesterday for Aaron Judge. John just told us he basically didn't care. Yep. Will you care? I mean, he's not going to get there in what, like 15 games. He's not going to threaten. He can't threaten Bonds. If he gets to the number two mark, which would be what, 67 home runs? I, yeah. I, it's so funny. I used to care about this stuff. I don't care. And I think people are like, you're not doing your job. Is it really our job to worry care. about now five players? Six players at six-year, but no, seven players, right? Seven. No, six. 
<laughs> I don't know. It shows how much I got. Right, right. Bonds, Sosa, Maguire, Maris, Babe, and Judge. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I was Sorry. mentioning everyone at 60 or higher. But it did not register anything with you. Yeah, I saw someone else comment on on Twitter, on social media, and they were like, great job of marketing by baseball. Didn't even know he was going for it. Yeah. Which they, they have to mark. I, I still believe baseball thinks it's 1966 or 82. Like, you, you, in September? And this sounds absurd. A guy's going for 60 home runs, and you're like, oh, you got to market it? Yeah! Football's here! It's our life! Well, I think that's the other thing that doesn't work in, in Major League Baseball's favor. Again, going back to, like, the like the, the chase between McGuire and Sosa, football, I don't think, was the monster that it is now. The year revolves around the National Football League. It does. Baseball it, still it, had a pretty good place in the late 90s, and that was a good comeback from... The uh, the work stoppage, mm-hmm. but it's become so regional yeah. now. Yeah, and football's so much bigger. NFL on college than thirty years ago, so much bigger. And you can just tell by the money spent by TV networks to cover it. Yep, and, and I'd also say too. I know I know baseball has its little primetime spots, but it speaks to marketing too. Where even those primetime spots aren't really that big, and in these instances, like what the National Football League does, and its sport it caters to it a little bit better is let's say that a player was chasing some sort of milestone in the last few weeks of the NFL season. You don't think that game's probably getting flexed to, like, Sunday night oh, if there yeah. wasn't something there, right? Yeah, of course. Like, with Major League Baseball, and when you see it's on the Yes Network and MLB TV, you know? Or you might see it if the, ML, ML, the Major League Baseball Network decides to simulcast it on their, on their channel. They, they, that's kind of the problem with baseball. They have buried their product. I have been one who has wanted to watch their product. But at the same time, it's not worth it to buy like an MLB TV because guess what? Six markets are blacked out and I can't really watch anything around here. So I think that's a, that's a really big part of it. When you watch different sports channels or check on Twitter, like it's not a big deal. People aren't sitting there talking about it. When it happens, everybody's excited and tweeting about it because you feel like you got to be in the moment. But baseball doesn't do that much at all. You know, the funny thing is with MLB until recently, they were a giant pain in the ass just allowing people to – post highlights of their sport they wanted control and to monetize everything which that's great like in the in the moment right in front of you you made money but what are you doing by not cooperating with social media which is one of the biggest ways to spread or spread word on your product it's terrible and they have and and look this is part of archaic thinking and and there's this is part of a bigger picture deal with major league baseball as well but it all kind of ties together like even the times that they try to reach out to like younger generations it's very like What's up, fellow Kidsian? You know what I mean? It's it just comes off as so weird and pandering and fake. Yeah. Like they have this show, I think it's like Cut Six or something like that on MLB Network, and it's like four youngish type of people like trying to make baseball cool and like talking about it. And it's like, like even in those instances, it just comes across as so ugh sometimes. But I just think at the end of the day, with this, like part of you know it doesn't help with me, and it speaks to the regional like the regional aspect of baseball. My team's out of it. And so I've kind of stopped caring about baseball to a yep. certain extent, except for my win totals, which are already decided, because my team sucks. Yep. But it speaks to the regional aspect of baseball. Yep. And then we'll, you know, as I mentioned 10 minutes ago, because it's a New York story and ESPN is close by in Bristol, yep. everyone assumes the country cares. <laughs> and it's like, no, not really. You know, the funny, I mean, the 60 home run thing is amazing. You know, it's one of those marks that, you know, has always been a gigantic number. And he's having a great year now. If he wins a triple crown, that's that's super impressive. 
So that'll be something that that almost never happens. Can I but out on the but out here, like, are people watching the Dodgers? Like, are the Dodgers going? First of all, will they ever lose? Right. Oh, yeah. But you know, recently they've lost some games. But I mean, did they get to 104 last night? Are they 103 and 45 or 104 and 44? And we've still got 14 games left. Yep. Like that's a historic number. It's a good point. Right? I didn't realize and, that and, the, and, the, and California. 103 and 45. 103. So they actually lost, you know, the uh, yeah, one, of the, two, one of the two games yesterday. But that's an amazing story. So, yeah, crazy times. Can, 60 home runs, and a lot of the country is like, eh. Can I also say I, I do think it is somewhat New York-esque in the fact that – and actually, I think New York and baseball go hand-in-hand hand, in that 20 years ago, you were really cool, right? And everybody wanted to either watch your product or go out there to New York because the lights and everything like that. But it's becoming more and more obvious with technology and whatnot that we can find entertainment or whatever New York provides in other places. Like, you're not as big of a deal as you really think you are. And it becomes like this bubble where they're all just talking. And they're like, this is great. It's the meme where everybody's t- t- talking in a circle and the one guy's in the corner and he's shouting something and the guy reaches over and gives him a thumbs up and then everybody keeps talking. <laughs> like, that's, that's what it we is. We don't care, buddy. Right. I <laughs> don't hear you. Not really paying attention. Uh, Plaza Pool. On a Wednesday, remember, this is the home of Oscars, Glamorous, Uniquely, Las Vegas Steakhouse. It really is cool. Excellent happy hour overlooking the lights of Fremont Street. you got the mouth-watering steaks and great cocktails, of course, named after the former Las Vegas mayor. Come on down here to the plaza seven days a week and check out Oscars. Join Cofield and Company on Thursdays for the live 2-5 to five show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. During all NFL games this season, get 77-cent beers. It's Thursday Night Football at Silver 7's Flamingo in Paradise. Drink responsibly, but... In order to get to the parade, you gotta be four shots in. It's unacceptable what? if you're not. Uh, the Bellagio fountains, we skiing across that thing. We going crazy because, like, I don't think people understand how important this really is. This is huge. It's Cofield and Company live downtown at the Plaza Pool. Just about ready to start the bikini tug of war. Steve Sears Summer Tour 2022. At the Plaza. JVT uh, is here. It's Cofield. Caleb Herring is coming up in just a little bit. Break down some football, some UNLV football. Justin Watkins in the 4 o'clock hour. Exciting times. Just witnessed a mild upset. Pre- Did you really? Uh, well, it's Have you handicapped already? No, I mean, uh, I mean, the two dudes that just lost are rather large human beings. Well, I, I don't know that they were pulling. I and mean, they're not in the competition. I think they were kind of yeah, setting. It's like a preseason match. I think they were kind of setting. The, oh, you're saying they were. It was like a warm-up. Match. It was a it was little like a warm-up. Yeah. Okay. And uh, see, the danger of tug-of-war is they especially in the pool. Um, oh, the grips. The anchor. Yep. The anchor lost his weight. The anchor, for those oh, who, don't no. know, who don't know tug-of-war terminology, the anchor is the person in the You're allowed back. to fall down, though, and uh, get up. Oh, I know, but he lost his. Once you fall down and there's only two of you. That really hurts the guy who's on his feet or gal. That is and rough. so the three, this three ended up finishing him off after that. So. so we're talking about the Aces all day with the victory parade yesterday. People want to see, a lot of people want to see the WNBA reach new heights. Can Mark Davis be the guy to do it? He already paid Becky Hammond a million dollars. He's willing to pay whatever the max is for his best players, you know, re-signing or signing an extension for Kelsey Plum. He certainly wants to give them charter flights, right? Right now, there's you know they're flying commercial everywhere, which is very rinky-dink. As a as an owner in a major league like the NFL, can he 
work with Silver and others to go, listen, there's money to be made here. Let's take this thing to the big time. I think he can to a certain extent. I mean, it depends on what you mean by big time. Here's my problem with that. It's already a growing thing itself, right, without Mark Davis. Like, the numbers are up a little bit. Viewership, the WNBA finals have become a little bit more popular on a year-to-year basis. So is Mark Davis going to change things, or did Mark Davis just come in at the time where it's growing a little bit, and we're going to talk about Mark Davis being the change that the WNBA needed? These are questions I don't have answers to. I'm just throwing them out for discussion. Can they get to a point where every every game, every arena around the country is drawing about 7,000? The Aces, one of the best-drawing teams uh, during the regular season, got 5,600 a game. The Storm lead the league. They, their fans are maniacs. And more importantly, could the NBA actually farm this out or just get the money from ESPN or someone else to, like, an MLS level? MLS just got $250 million a year from Apple. The WNBA viewing numbers are in the range of MLS. So say you're getting between, you know, 250 and 400,000 viewers. You know, playoffs, you're getting more than that. What do you think? I would say from a TV standpoint, I think it's doable. Or is this just like a big promotional arm for ESPN, and they're not looking at monetizing it? Like, I would think if there's money there, the NBA's got to be like, all right, we got to, like, either, like, this has to be built into future deals with the NBA. Like, you're paying this for the WNBA, or, and I wouldn't leave ESPN because you're getting good coverage because there's all the extra benefits. Or you farm it out, and you get, you know, you get a, a real TV deal for a growing league. I mean, I think the part of the problem is it's so intrinsically tied with the NBA that would a TV deal probably not work out because they wouldn't split that, right? Like NBA and WNBA. And I'm mentioning sites that technically have paywalls. I mean, really, all cable does. Yeah. You know, but is is Apple or Amazon going to be? In, I'm already seeing. I never process the Amazon thing as pay per view, but it really is. But I've already had Amazon because we, right. we shop a lot on it. So I'm like, oh, you know, if, if it's a couple extra bucks, now I get all this TV product. I'm cool. But like, I was looking at tweets the other day. Uh, from uh, Chris Chapman, who's over on the uh, Fox station, our sister station, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM, and he's like, I don't have Amazon. I'm like, wait, you don't? You don't have Amazon Prime? I mean, I guess people do shop. I, I just, from the, I'm so cheap from the beginning. I'm like, oh, I, I get free delivery on, you know, 100 purchases a year. I'm doing it. I'm not here trying to do a commercial for Amazon, yeah. but I know a lot of people are now coming to grips with the fact that the NFL for them is behind a paywall. Right. For, and, for and, Thursdays, and, and if yeah. people are going to bitch about it with the NFL – what are they going to do if the WNBA then goes behind a paywall? Yeah, and that's why like it's it is a somewhat hard task, and I and I think it would be better suited for like t- like traditional like networks to probably pick it up. And like you said, I think ESPN is a perfect platform for them because ESPN is so wrapped up in its NBA coverage that it, it really does a good job of including the WNBA as part of it. Um, but I would say like there is room for growth. I I would also say that if there was real money to be made, that it would have been made already because a lot of smarter people than I are looking at these numbers and and doing things with it. I just think that when it comes to like Mark, because I've saw I've seen like you know the whole Mark Davis angle and him being a savior, I think what he's just showing is, you know, if you put money into something, you can have some success in it, right? Like he he decided, hey, you know what, I'm going to take an NBA level coach, yeah. give them money, and have them coach this team, and they're going to bring a style that is much different than the league has really seen recently, and that's going to lead to success, and it did. By the way, what an idea that a rich owner, a super rich owner is trying to build a business in another sport and not worried about making every freaking dime he can because he's not making money at all with the Aces right now. He's not. Now, it may pay off the next couple of years with increased attendance, but he was taking it in the shorts early on. Look around baseball. 
all of the owners are guaranteed to basically get at least a billion dollars, up to $5 billion for their teams. They have massive rev sharing. They make a ton of money every year. Then, of course, they move the chips around and say they lose money. And those billionaires have to make every cent they can every freaking year. But Mark Davis is like, you know what? I'm going to support women's sports. I think this could be a good thing. I am willing to lose some money at the beginning. Yep. And it what led, a concept. And it led to a championship and, a, and a brand, frankly, too, a brand in Aces basketball in WNBA circles that is really growing. Like the people, the, they have legitimate stars on the team. Among like Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum, who we talked about, and others, like th- that is a team that, like from what I have seen in my consumption of WNBA social media and other things, like that's a team and a brand that is growing at an astronomical rate because of the success and because of the attention that he's putting into it. Three six four eleven hundred. Let's give out tickets to the Shriners golf tournaments in town, October fifth to the ninth, TPC Summerlin. You can get your uh, tickets at ShrinersChildrensOpen.com. Two tickets, good for any day. 364-1100, October 5th to the 9th. The PGA is in town. 364-1100, Shriners open. Caller 7, talk to Ari. Today after Cofield and Company, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Hey, sideline, what a pass. Hey, you got to let them know. Come on, commit to it. You got to let them know. What a pass. Let's go. Got to let them know. Run a pass. Run a pass. Let them know. 9-6. Let them know. Run a pass. Let them know. Run a pass. Nice and loud. Pass. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Uh, Russell Wilson on the way back. We'll get to that in a second. It's about 20 minutes away from the Bikini Tug of War. I think in front of us is one of the ladies from the Sin City Rollers, the Roller Derby team. She is a strong young lady, and she's also taking this very seriously because we're doing the Bikini Tug of War on a wet deck at the Plaza Pool. And round one. Okay, round one's coming up. And okay, here we go. The ladies were told, hey, you can bring, bring wet socks. You can do it barefoot or really anything you want to wear in the pool. And the, uh, the Roller Derby player now has sneakers on. And I just saw her yanking on the rail. Is that chalk dust? She got chalk dust. She does have chalk. Well, you need it for tug of war. But she was she was trying out the sneakers, which looked pretty grippy. So high drama here. High drama downtown. The competition's on the way. A big trophy will be handed out. Caleb Herring, are you sad you're not down here? I'm extremely sad. I I, I wish I could be there with you guys live. Um, <laughs> I, although I will say I'm enjoying JVT. If you've watched Squid Games. Yes. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but you know the importance of an anchor and strategy right. in, in tug of war. So, I I mean, the stakes are probably a little higher in Squid Games, but uh, I think this is this is fun. I'm, I'm glad that you guys get to enjoy it, and I'm glad I'm getting your uh, your full detailed analysis on, on, on how to appropriately. There it is, the whistle. To we got the whistle in the background. <laughs> also, Caleb, uh, don't assume anything. There's actually a giant, massive pit in the middle here, so the losers will die, just like in Squid Games. <laughs> They really meant business. Yes. They really meant business. Sorry to oh, all the participants. Uh, <laughs> Red Tail over, over at uh, Resorts World, Sapphire, Peppermint Hippo, other teams out here. Um, this was the ultimate sacrifice, but you'll get a trophy for it. All right, so let's get into this. Let's move on from Bikini Tug of War for now. And let's talk about the victory over the weekend. I know you were listening to the, the uh, press box this morning, and I don't, I don't know, you texted me about something um, I was listening as well, and there was an interesting scenario set up about how if they don't beat Utah State, 
that's a bad loss. Um, and it was also mentioned that they've done nothing special so far. And I I think they they cracked the hell out of Idaho State, and they should have. But I still believe North Texas is a bowl team, and I was impressed with the 58-27 victory. I I think the Mean Green are going to be a pretty good team, you know, winning. Listen, they're not going to win a national title now, but uh, that can win six or seven games and go bowling. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think North Texas has the pieces of a good football team, and they, they definitely have some stability, some success in recent years. Um, so I would call them a good football program. Um, like you said, they're not top 25 in the nation or anything, um, but they're a solid, I guess, equal ranking with Mountain West and Conference USA. I would say that that's pretty on par with equal competition, right, from that standpoint. Um, so I, And for the season, I think – Two games of 50, two or three games of 50 points scored, um, regardless of who you're playing. I mean, you look at, for different reasons, obviously, look at the top five teams in the nation. Scoring 50 points against anybody, doesn't matter, FCS, lower ranks or whatever, is an impressive thing to do. And when you can say that as a team, more importantly, though, I, I, I tend to not look at the results always. I look at how you get to the results. And uh, I think for the first three games, UNLV has done something that they haven't done where they the things that they've done are intentional. It's not an accident that the results come out the way they did do. Um, and there's repeatable things. And we talked about Doug having a great game against Idaho State. Obviously, the completion percentage, the efficiency was great. He duplicated it, not quite close, as close. But in this game against North Texas, 21 to 27 is not, you know, 87%. But it's pretty darn efficient for quarterback play, right? And then add on top of that 100 yards rushing. So the things that they're doing as a team, are being duplicated and stacked on top of each other where you feel comfortable in saying winning isn't an accident. It's not like the two games that they won, they scored 50 points on accident. It was intentional. This is who they are. Can they repeat it week in and week out? I think that's what we're going to see the rest of the season. So I think they have turned a different corner than we're used to talking about, especially at this early point of the season. Um, so I, I, I say there's cause for celebration. There's reason to say that this year might be the real deal for UNLV as far as turning those losses into wins. Update from Bikini Tug of War. I was listening the whole time, I promise. Um, <laughs> Resorts World team against Sapphire. Sapphire really tough with the footing, and Resorts World wins that first round. I can tell you I went up to introduce myself, being a professional, to the uh, Resorts World women. Two of the grips on the handshake, I said it to them. I'm like, okay, I think you're the favorites. Real strong handshakes. Real strong. Impressive you can tell stuff. a lot about somebody with with, with their handshakes. No, well, the it's, power, it's, the power, have, and the and the, the willingness to intimidate. Yeah, like it's you can feel it. that's that's a it's an aggressive thing. Some people do it and it's a little bit too aggressive. It intimidates you, but that's what it's supposed to be, right? When you're coming and you mean business with your tug of war uh, matchup, you need to have a firm handshake to go along with it. Specs more important things. Uh, you and I'll be football. Wait, wait, what? Uh, yeah. uh, all right, so <laughs> I think what you're what you're hitting on, Caleb, I think is 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 really interesting. A good point, right? In terms of you know, how the UNLV is getting these victories and the ability to replicate those victories. So that's kind of what I wanted to hit on going forward because I think offensively, you know, over 300 yards rushing, I don't know if that's replicable, but having a dominant ground attack and a very good offense is replicable, right? They are the eighth-ranked team in terms of EPA per play in their running game. They're a top-20 offense overall in terms of EPA per play. Like, they're going to be a pretty good offense. What I came yeah, away from in the North Texas game was their defense – 
you're not going to turn away a team three times on fourth and one, two of them in your own territory, right, while you give up over 300 yards passing and over 400 yards of offense. I think that would be the criticism, If would it not be coming out of that game, which is you did great, your offense should be very good, but those games are going to be close shootouts if you can't figure out some stuff between the 20s because this bend but don't break thing's great when you're not breaking, uh, but at some points you're going to bend and break. Yeah, well, I think there, there's truth in that. Obviously, the evidence that they gave up a lot of yards, both against Cal and against uh, North Texas. Um, and I think there's, there's, there's truth to it in the sense that I don't know if it's, it's necessarily ideal. Um, but Ben But Don't Break has worked for a lot of teams in the past that ended up having winning records and winning seasons um, and playing, I guess, the long game in football. Um, it puts more importance, obviously, on scoring points and, and points being a premium and maybe an aggressive offensive mindset in order to – to, to account for the potential of giving up points. But uh, I think an example is the Cal game, right? They gave up a lot of yards in Cal uh, against Cal, but they ended up holding them to field goal attempts in the end. And that may just be that right now, the roster, the, the scheme um, is not designed to be aggressive in the open field because there's a lot of open field to cover. Um, so it might benefit them to have tighter field and they actually can play faster, play more aggressively defensively in tighter field situations like the red zone. Um, there's a, an element, and I think this might be part of why their scheme has been the way it is, is uh, because they're not at full strength in the secondary. And you got guys that are still trying to find their footing. So in open field, in order to avoid giving up the big play, maybe you're a little less aggressive with your defensive schemes and the way you go about um, calling coverages and whatnot. But in the red zone, where space is not, you know, is at a premium, I, I think it's a little bit easier for a coordinator on defense to be aggressive and play more true to your, your scheme, if you will. Um, in those situations and it's been working I think for the last two games and really going back to last season for whatever reason this defense has a tendency to step up in tight situations short yardage fourth downs goal line stands they've had a few of them over the past couple of seasons um, and I think that's a testament to them but it can also like you said be looked at as a as a negative where it's like hey we give up a lot of yards and eventually we're going to run into a team that can finish in those situations and score red zone points right now we're, we're okay we're not giving up too many touchdowns in the red zone or not giving up fourth and shorts, but at some point somebody's going to convert those. And will we have enough then offensively to, to keep pace or to, to win ball games um, when it comes down to it? So, yeah, that's uh, that's perfectly valid criticism, but it has worked before. Not ideal, yep. but p teams have won with that with that way of going about uh, bending and not breaking. And as you mentioned, that would, their personnel speaks to their ability to do that. They're stronger up front on the interior along the edges. Uh, it would be a team that is built to, to at least do that. So let's move this forward then. Do you think that Utah State with Logan Bonner and the team and coach outwardly sniping at the fan base, are they a team that is going to be able to exploit the weakness of a somewhat thin secondary when the Rebels go on the road this weekend? I think they can be, and I think it's a perfect opportunity for them from, an, from the Aggie standpoint to kind of get back to who they are, their identity as a team, with Logan Bonner at the helm, swinging it around to the players on the edges so they can make plays in space. I think their whole offensive structure – is designed to take advantage of what is a defensive weakness for UNLV. So making plays in space, forcing the secondary guys to get involved in making tackles in space and, and forcing them to be aggressive in coverage, um, both formationally and just with the, the system of their routes, I think uh, Utah State probably is licking their chops a little bit as far as getting back to what they were last year. And Logan Bonner recovering from in injury, getting more confidence in his leg and things like that going forward. Also trying to kind of shut up some of the uh, criticism that they got from their own fans. I think it was clear that Blake Anderson believes in uh, Logan Bonner uh, from what he said to the press and, and how he kind of snapped back at the fans for the boos that they heard during the Weber State game. 
um, and the calls for the backup Cooper Lagos. But uh, I think that this is one of the games that they're probably looking off, looking at coming out of a bye as one that they can kind of get back to their form. And like I said, the matchup, that strength of theirs is something that is a weak point defensively for UNLV, where they're not necessarily trying to pound it up the middle like North Texas was. Um, not a traditional run game like Cal was. It's more of a spread it out, take advantage of space, and make you make plays in space defensively. So, yeah, I think they're looking their chops as the Aggies saying, this is the week we get back to our ways. Um, UNLV, however, has to step up to that challenge. And there's guys in the secondary in particular that are going to have to answer the call um, in order to keep the rhythm that they kind of have as a team and the winning ways um, going. So it's, it's going to be a challenge for UNLV. And I think uh, Utah State, in spite of some injuries, they've got a couple in key injuries coming into this game. Um, uh, Kyle Van Leeuwen being one of them, one of the receiver receivers mm -hmm. out. Um, they have some advantages, I think, on the edges. And they trust their playmakers in space against a young kind of secondary that's still trying to figure things out in UNLV. So we'll see how that matchup plays out. But it's definitely going to be something that Logan Bonner and Utah State go after. We just watched an extremely dramatic tug-of-war battle. Like, that was uh, – and uh, forgive me because I don't know who the teams specifically are, but the winning team was on the verge of losing, and it was quite the comeback, Caleb. Pull this thing all the way back. Steve's coming back from being a creep, so he'll give us details on what exactly – uh, <laughs> what teams exactly won? But uh, Steve's on the other side of the pool right now. Uh, all right, we got a couple more minutes here with uh, with Caleb Herring. So, uh, really quickly before we get to the Rustbot stuff, do you real? Uh, I don't know if you've realized what's been going on with the Rebels in the betting market uh, because a lot of the professional betters have actually thought pretty highly of this UNLV team. The betting line has moved in their favor each of these games that they have played, including this one. They're a road favorite this weekend right now. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because I think. Um, UNLV is getting some respect, I guess, quote unquote, respect in the betting market, which I'm not an avid better. I don't spend a lot of time looking at it uh, at the game through that context. But I understand that there's some validity to these lines, right? Like they when they see when the betting lines move, that means there's some truth behind, it. especially as you progress throughout the season. You know, we're going into really what week four of the con. Yep. UNLV had a buy. So week, week four. four five, so they're starting to. Yeah, they're starting to figure this thing out. The, the, the lines are being set with some evidence behind it at this point. So. Um, when those lines move, there's a reason for it. I think UNLV has earned it. I, I mean, the amount of points they've been able to put up all season. I mean, uh, outside of the Cal game, they've had two 50-point performances, right? So, I, I mean, they understanding, probably bet the over, right? That's probably something you could you could think about going into UNLV. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a sign of uh, some respect, and it's actually another indicator, along with some of the things we've talked about all season and doing things that are replicable and, and winning the right way as a team. Also, that's evidence. But then when you look at the betting line moving in favor and being a road favorite against the defending conference champions, um, they're having a bad season or bad start, albeit that's true. But just to be marked as a, a road favorite by betting lines is, I think, an accomplishment and evidence, like I said, that there's some good things going on in the program that suggests that they should be favored in these kind of games. Caleb, we're up against it. I'll see you and talk to you in, uh, what are we looking at, two hours here with the Next edition of the Marcus Arroyo radio show right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Thank you for the time, my friend. All right, guys. Have fun out there with the tug-of-war. It's been tough so far. I just witnessed something unbelievable. That was a great tug-of-war match. That was, I, I was blown away by the fight, the intense fight in that battle. Giveaway time, 364-1100, Resorts World just took out an early match against Sapphire. Uh, we've got tickets to Roger Waters playing at T-Mobile. You can grab your tickets for the October 1st show at AXS.com. AXS.com. Saturday night, T-Mobile, October 1st. Roger Waters, of course, of Pink Floyd fame. 
Ari's got the tickets. You can grab your own at AXS.com. 364-1100, 364-1100, caller 7. Talk to Ari. All right, more matches, double elimination tournament, bikini tug of war. It doesn't get any better than this, that last match. Holy cow, we'll give you a recap on the way back as we start our 4 o'clock hour with Justin Watkins. Grimmett and Company, providing tax planning, preparation, and accounting services for clients big and small in Southern Nevada. Call 702-795-2311 for a free consultation or visit VegasTax.com.